Let's turn to Psalm 2 today, the second Psalm this morning. We began a series of messages back in July in the Psalms, a title, or excuse me, a series that I've entitled, This is My Story, This is My Psalm, and wanting to learn a little bit more about the specific Psalms that we're studying, about their background, who wrote them, what was going on in their life at that time that inspired those writings, and then how we can make application to us today. Um, Looking into January and that first quarter of the year, we're going to take a pause from this study in the Psalms. I believe we'll come back to it later in uh, 2023, but we're going to take a break in that first quarter as we will be introducing our theme this year here at Heritage in January, and that's going to extend a little bit farther this year as we get into the, the, that first quarter as we emphasize some things we want to see the Lord do in our lives here at Heritage, but Through the month of December, I've been taking this psalm and maybe doing a little detour with it or this study out of the psalms, and uh, we've stayed in the psalms but with a little different goal, and we're considering this thought, Christ in the psalms, seeing how Christ is revealed in several of the psalms. We would call them messianic psalms, psalms where Christ is highlighted or at least we see him there. And I was somewhat motivated or inspired uh, with this thought because of many of our Christmas hymns that we sing. Oftentimes the first verse might emphasize the birth of the Savior, but the, uh, the ongoing verses emphasize different aspects of his life. It goes beyond just his birth. And I'm grateful that we can celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, but there's far more than just his birth. It was his sinless life. Uh, It was his sacrificial death, his miraculous resurrection, his amazing ascension into heaven, and his promise that he's returning one day. And so there's much more to Christ than just a baby. And uh, and so we want to look at Christ in the Psalms, and not all of them, in fact, none of them have been highlighting his birth that we've emphasized, but different aspects, excuse me, of his life and ministry. Thus far, we've studied Psalm 110, and we saw Jesus as king, Jesus as priest, and Jesus as victor. And then last Sunday, we saw or looked at probably the most obvious messianic psalm, Psalm 22. And we considered the sufferings of Christ and then the glories of Christ. This morning, I want us to consider Psalm 2. We believe this to be a psalm written by David, although it does not give us that uh, emphasis in the superscription or in the psalm itself, but almost everyone that I've read, everybody that I've read, uh, believes it to be a psalm of David, and at some point during his reign as king, and David is perhaps experiencing rebellion within his kingdom. Uh, We notice that in verses 1 and 2 of this psalm, and many think that perhaps it was written during 2 Samuel chapter 10 where the Ammonites and the Syrians are rebelling against the kingdom of David. It's an interesting side note here for you. Uh, A couple weeks ago when I mentioned Psalm 110 or taught through that, I mentioned that I had read that it is the most quoted psalm In the New Testament, Psalm 110, guess what I read this week about Psalm 2 from a different source? 
that it's the most quoted psalm in the New Testament. So I'm going to say this today. Psalm 110 and Psalm 2 are two of the most quoted psalms in the New Testament. Perhaps the most. And uh, we'll make it safe that way. But uh, uh, again, this is a psalm that is used. Uh, someone said about 60% of this psalm you can find in various New Testament passages. Now, although the motivation of David was to write this psalm because of some rebellion he was facing, we'll see as we read it this morning, the Holy Spirit has something far greater in mind. In our Wednesday night Bible studies, we've been studying the end times, looking at a chronological view of what we believe is in store for us in these last days or beyond these last days. And we've just gotten through a section of Revelation, chapter 17, 18, and 19. In chapter 17 and 18, we see that um, Babylon, uh, this, this great city in the Bible, the second most mentioned city in the Bible behind Jerusalem, it's the contrast to Jerusalem. It's the, uh, the other side towards Jerusalem. It's the, uh, what the other team is offering, Babylon, its religion, its system. It rises up in Genesis chapter number 10, and we see it fall in the book of Daniel, but it will rise again. And the book of Revelation describes this quick rise of this city of Babylon, its system and its religion, and then we'll see it fall in the book of Revelation during the tribulation. Uh, it, will, it will once again fail. And so we just got done studying that, and then chapter 19 of Revelation uh, brings us the, the return of Christ to the earth, uh, a final battle against the nations there in chapter number 19 of Revelation, followed by the establishment of a millennial kingdom. Uh, I'm finding that I didn't know as much about the millennial kingdom that I thought I knew. Finding some of the things I thought about the millennial kingdom aren't, weren't accurate. It's been a good study. We'll be getting into that in the days ahead uh, there on the millennial kingdom. But with what we've read, if you've been in that study, what we've read in 17, 18, 19, I think you'll see some similarities here in Psalm 2. Let's read these 12 verses. You follow along as I read through our text today. Then I'm going to share three thoughts with us this morning. Why do the heathen rage, and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. In those first three verses, we see man's rebellion Rebellion against the Lord and against the Lord's anointed. Let's continue reading verse number 4 through 9. We'll see God's rule or God's sovereignty. He says, He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision or confusion. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, 
And I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. And then in this last section, we see man's choice. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and with rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and ye perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Again, this morning, I want us to see man's rebellion, God's rule, man's choice. If I was going to entitle this, this, this message with just one overriding thought, I would have it be this, choose wisely, choose wisely. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you today for your blessings. Thank you for the good time that we've been able to enjoy in your house this morning from the music to being together with our church family, fellowshipping with one another. And, and now, Lord, is this, this, this most important time of looking into your word. I pray, God, that we let the word of God work in our hearts today. Or that even right now, as, as I'm praying, that each of us would pray in our hearts, God, speak to me today through your word. Work in my heart today through your word. Change me today through your word. Or would you do a work here today that only God can do? Would you do something in a fashion, God, that we would know it was not me or any other man, but God that worked in our hearts and lives? Lord, we'll be careful to give you the glory and the thanks for what you accomplish in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's consider again man's rebellion in those first three verses. David says, why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Man's rebellion. Now rebellion began with Satan. Satan is the author of rebellion. He's the author of sin. Uh, turn with me, if you will, to the book of Isaiah. Hold your place here in Psalms. But go with me to Isaiah chapter number 14. And let's read a little bit about Satan called Lucifer. His name here in Isaiah chapter 14. And notice with me, starting in verse number 12, as we see the rebellion of Lucifer, or the rebellion of Satan, as it's described for us. Verse 12, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou, for Lucifer, hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. That was Satan's desire. He wanted to see himself ascend 
and exalt himself above God himself. Verse 15 makes it clear what happens to him because of this. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. Satan had this desire to ascend and to exalt himself above the Lord. He rebelled against God, we learn. He even convinces a third of those angelic forces or those angelic beings to join him in his rebellion. And since that time, there has been this rebellion that he has introduced against God. He is contrary to God. He is against God. As I mentioned just a moment ago about Babylon, he was the founder of Babylon. He was the institutor of this, offering a different system, a different way than what God is offering. Rebellion began with Satan. And then Satan convinced man to rebel. Uh, turn with me again, if you will, to the to book of Genesis, chapter number 3. Satan convinced man to rebel. Genesis chapter number 3, verse number 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to, to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened. See, prior to this, they had one command there in the garden, not to partake of the fruit of this tree. And Satan comes and begins to get her to question God to uh, uh, become confused about what God has said, incorrectly understanding that and determining that, and she takes of the fruit and gives to her husband. And immediately their eyes were open. They recognized that they were naked. They immediately began to try to clothe themselves. They heard the voice of God in the garden. They tried to hide themselves from God, recognizing now their innocence was gone. God speaks to them there and says, have you eaten of the fruit? And you remember what happens then? We won't go to the passage now, but immediately Adam blames Eve. And then Eve blames the serpent. And this sin nature began in Adam and Eve. Rebellion began with Satan. It was passed down to Adam and Eve. And guess what? That very nature was passed down to every human being after that. Romans chapter 5, verse number 12. Look at one more passage with me before we go back, back to our, well, that's not true. We'll look at some more. But Romans chapter 5, chap, chapter 5, verse number 12. Wherefore, as by one man, that's Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And so Adam passed that rebellious nature to all people. 
That's man's spiritual condition today. We are rebels by nature. You were born with this sin nature that puts you at odds with God, against God. In fact, the Bible often describes man as enemies of God. Romans chapter 5, verse number 10, you're there, says, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. But it begins with, we were enemies. Look look with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter number 2. And notice how an individual is described before Christ. Before they're saved, before they're born again. He's speaking to the believers at Ephesus and he says in verse number 1 of chapter 2, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, wherein in time past, before you were born again, before you were saved, in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Who's that? That's Satan, isn't it? That's the, that's the serpent. That's the wicked one. That's Satan himself. You walked according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit of, that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as others." Listen, man's rebellion began with Satan, was passed down uh, uh, to Adam and Eve, and now down to all of us, and today we are at odds, enemies against God. Now, I'm not here to preach out of Ephesians 2 today, but when I read verses 1 through 3, I've got to hit verse number 4 then. Now, remember, verses 1 through 3, we were, uh, were, were, were by nature children of wrath, We're walking according to the course of this world. When you were without Christ, you were all those things described in verses 1 through 3. But then verse number 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened. That word quickened means made us alive together with who? Christ. By his grace ye are saved. I'm getting ahead of myself to read those verses today. If you're here today without Christ, you're in rebellion. You're against God. You're at odds against him. You're still in your sin nature living against God. But you don't have to be. God, in his great mercy, where he loved us, gave us his son, Jesus Christ. That's where we get introduced to it here at this season of his first coming, at his birth. But it goes far beyond that, from his birth to his sinless life, his sacrificial death, and his miraculous resurrection, providing salvation for anyone that will call upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Man's rebellion, though, is what is highlighted in those first three verses of Psalm chapter number 2. We still see man's rebellion against God today, don't we? David saw it. David wrote of it. We see it throughout the scriptures and we see it live before us. We see it still active as I've studied, as we studied on Wednesday nights, we'll see it active in the future. 
Even after the, the rapture of the church, there will be a great rebellion against God during that tribulation period. As man continues to reject God, man's rebellion. But in spite of all that, recognize this today. God's rule, God's sovereignty, God's over everything. Look at verse number four of our text, Psalm chapter four. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. He sees all this rebellion going down there and he's just like, these foolish people. (laughs) What are they thinking? Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. This is speaking here of this Millennial reign where King Jesus will sit on his throne there in Jerusalem. In Revelation chapter 19, I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. We hear that rod of iron in in Revelation chapter 2 and in Revelation chapter number 19 that King Jesus will rule with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. This season we are celebrating the first advent the first coming of the Lord Jesus at his birth. But we are looking forward to his second coming, the second advent. And that starts with a rapture where Christ raptures out the church. But it goes beyond that. For about seven years after the rapture of the church, Christ establishes his kingdom here on this earth. And he will have a throne in Jerusalem and he will rule the entire earth with a rod of iron. Listen, there will be people, they will have to listen to him. They will have to submit to him. He will rule this world in that fashion for a thousand years. It's described for us, it's been predicted for us, and it will come true one day. Now here's what I want us to remember this morning. Under God's rule, God is in the heavens now and he's ruling, and no matter how goofed up this world or your life seems, never forget God is still in control sometimes things things seem like it's just out of control and there's and and, and it's just it's gotten away it hasn't gotten away from him God is still on his throne and he's still in control and one day he's going to say that's enough he's going to tell Jesus go get my children get the church bring them out of this And I'm going to allow my wrath and my displeasure to be poured out upon this world that has rejected him. Don't have time this morning, but we could go to 2 Timothy chapter number 3, which describes those last days that lead into this and how we see this world that is such a mess. But then it ends with this thought in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy verse 14, where we are encouraged, even though we lived in a goofed up world, a world that is constantly getting worse and worse and farther and farther from God, what are we to do? Continue in the things which we have learned and have heard and have seen. We're to continue doing what we've been taught to do, what we're, what we're told to do through God's word. We're to be faithful even in these difficult days, these dangerous days that we live in, knowing this, 
God's in control. Number one, man's rebellion. Number two, God's rule. He ends here, verses 10 through 12, with man's choice. Notice how he starts it. Be wise. Hey, be smart now. I've already told you about the rebellion of man, the rule of God. Be wise now. Be careful. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and ye perish from the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Again, I believe in a specific matter. This is referring to a millennial kingdom and the description of what will go on in that day. But there's much for us to choose from this today. Man's choice. By the way, I'm grateful God gives us a choice. Aren't you glad you have a choice today? How many of you remember standing in gym class or recess and there were two captains out there and you're out there in the myriad of people there and they're saying, I want him. My number one pick is him and they want that one and it's going down and you're like, oh no. I'm going to be the dreaded last person here where they look at, all right, Kevin, you're with me. Come on. I've been there. I've been the last on the list before. It's tough, isn't it? That's not the way it works with God. God says you choose your captain. You choose who you're going to be with. None of us like being the last pick. We don't want to be that last individual, but I got news for you today. We're not playing kickball or dodgeball. We're not at recess or gym class where you're not going to be picked. You get to choose your captain, so therefore choose wisely. One of the captains is going to offer you things that seem too good to be true. He's going to offer you the pleasures of this life. Let me remind you, God's word reminds us those pleasures are only for a season. He's convincing though, isn't he? In fact, the Bible calls him the great deceiver. We saw in Genesis chapter 3 how he fooled Adam and Eve, deceived them. Be careful, be wise, choose wisely today. The other captain, he's not pushy, he's kind, he's patient. In fact, we would wrap his, his description up, he's love. He's holy. He's honest. He tells his team that things in this life will at times be difficult. But aren't you glad that he says with that, I'll never leave you nor forsake you? He doesn't lie to us and say everything's going to be great and wonderful. He says, listen, you're going to have tribulation in this world. You're going to have difficulties in this world. You're going to have hard times in this world. But I promise you this, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He is a good God. He's someone that you can rely on. He has never failed you. He cannot fail you. 
But yet many people reject him. They listen to the other one. They fall for his lies. They fall for what he sells them. With Jesus, with God, it really comes down not to this life, but the life to come, doesn't it? That's what he, that's what he wants us to look forward to is heaven. And the reality is Satan wants you to know nothing of that. He doesn't want you to learn about uh, what comes after this life and eternity because he knows what's his eternity. Can I share one other verse with you? Look, look at Revelation chapter 20. And would you notice verse number 10? Revelation chapter 20, verse number 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. See, right now Satan has some freedoms. He has some liberties. He's going around and he's deceiving many, many people. But this is his destiny. This is where he's going to spend his eternity. He's going to be cast into the lake of fire where the beast and the false prophet already will be at this point in Revelation chapter 20. And that's where he will be tormented day and night forever and ever and ever and ever. That's the way that's written there. That's the way it's presented to us. It's ongoing. And so today, choose wisely. Would you know this today? If you're here today and you're still in your rebellious nature, you've never chosen Christ, you've never made him your savior, you're still in this rebellious nature where you're at odds against God, you're the enemy of God, would you know this today? God still loves you. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It is the greatest gift that was ever given, the gift of Jesus Christ. God loves you today. He loved you so much that he gave his son Jesus Christ to come, and I've said it several times today, but to live a sinless life. The Bible says he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. He went to the cross, a perfect sacrifice, where he could pay the penalty for my sin and your sin. Our rebellion. He could pay the price for us because he was the perfect sacrifice. And Jesus literally became sin for us that day. In fact, I think I talked about it last week where When that transaction took place, when the sins of the world were placed upon him, there was darkness on the earth from noon to three, three hours of darkness when God turned his back on his son, could no longer look at his son because he had become sin. And that's where Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because Jesus became sin for us. He was buried and praise the Lord. Three days later, he rose victorious over sin and over death, and by that, giving us true salvation. Now, that's what he's done for us. What do do we have to do? Choose wisely. 
make the right choice. Romans chapter number 10, verse 9 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart, verse 10 says, man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 13, here's the choice. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not a maybe. It's not a, a possibility. It's a, an assurance. You shall be saved when you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in faith. Listen, there's no religious hoops to jump through. You don't have to uh, become a part of this church or any other church. There's not an amount of money you could ever give. You could never be good enough. It's simply by putting your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Saying, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to love you. I'm going I'm to make you my Lord. Choose Jesus today. Choose wisely. And then Christians, let me speak to you today for just a moment. You made that choice at one point in your life. And sometimes it seems like we just want to keep one foot back in the world there. Just, just stay a little bit in there. Listen, let's come out from this. Let's be separate from these things. And let's, let's truly follow after the Lord. Let's truly be disciples of the Lord, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. He who's done so much for us. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Listen, it is our reasonable service that we would just give him our lives. He's given us so much. Give your life back to him and serve him. Oh, would you choose wisely today? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for just a moment. In a moment, we call our invitation. We try to make this as personal and as private as we can. As the Lord is working in hearts today. No doubt, the Word of God has touched a heart in here today. Probably multiple hearts today. You've been, you've been convicted. The Holy Spirit's reminding you of some things today. We've looked at man's rebellion we looked at God's sovereign control and then man's choice, choose wisely. And somewhere in there, as the Lord spoke to your heart today, and then this is an opportunity for you to respond to the Lord's moving and working in your life. In just a moment, I'm going to pray and our, our piano is going to play and the invitation will be open and we open up the altar, an opportunity for you to come and Either pray by yourself or perhaps you would like someone to pray with you. And we have uh, some individuals down here ready to assist you. Or you might be here today and you want to be baptized. You, you want to join the church. There's an area in your life you want to surrender to. Or perhaps today you want to be saved. It's your opportunity to respond to the Lord during this invitation. As the Lord's worked in your heart. Would you be obedient to him today? 
Father, I pray that you take this invitation now that we're going to begin in just a moment. And Lord, that your Holy Spirit would work in different hearts and lives today. And Lord, that they would be obedient to you. Lord, you've done so much for us. You've given us the most wonderful gift that could ever be given, your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for that. And I pray, God, that we choose you today, that we would choose to live for you today. Lord, we would choose wisely. Lord, work in hearts now as only you can do. And Lord, may this invitation be done for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name. So our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Would you stand this morning right there at your pew? Would you please stand? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. As the piano begins to play, the Lord's touched your heart. Would you respond to him today? Make your way to this altar where you can talk to God. Surrender some things to God. Get help today or come today and be saved. this morning you do not feel led to come to the altar but the Lord's working in your heart you can pray right there at your pew maybe bow your knee right there at your pew or have a seat there and talk to the Lord today and say Lord I want to I want to serve you I want to make you number one in my life